In this episode of Common Sense Amia, we'll be chatting with Ashley Reynolds, co-founder of Elmore Mountain Therapeutics, a CBD company focused on providing their customers, both consumer and retailer, with high-end products made with CBD from Vermont-grown hemp. Ashley, my home skillet, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hey, buddy. Pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. How are you? You, uh, I'm awesome. You, You definitely look like a pro because you've got the whole thing behind you. Um... Well, and, and yes, you, and also the setup behind you, you, you thought about this. I appreciate that. Um, I barely thought about it. Here's mine. <laughs> um, you're one of the lucky here. ones too. That just sold out for like the third time in a row. So well, you're congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, well, uh, so I'm 40. I'm going to be 41 soon. And sometimes my brain thinks I'm, you know, 20 or whatever. And, uh, I live on a lake here and my boat, uh, stalled out in the middle of the lake last weekend. Uh, I was just like taking it out. I was like, just let me, you know, like you got to take it out every so often. So I took it out and it stalled in the middle of the lake and I'm out there like turning it over, turning it over, turning it over, nothing. And finally I'm like, Oh, I can still totally pull I can swim the boat in because I'm a you know I'm not 40 uh and I did I swam the boat in and I screwed my shoulder up like I did it I made it one piece but like I screwed my shoulder up so bad so for the whole like this whole week uh the house has smelled very strongly of vetiver Uh is that what that I Uh guess uh but it's great. I've been I've been working it in my shoulder as I like Aww. tried to swim a boat in like an idiot. At least you made but thanks it, for though. making this product. It's great. It's easy to it's easy to roll right onto my shoulder. <laughs> I love that segue. Yeah, you are so welcome. That is one of my favorites. I too am almost forty, and yeah, I have done similar things and being like, oh wow, I thank God for CBD because I'm not twenty anymore. I could still do this. <laughs> totally. You can't. Don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you do me a quick favor before we get into it? Um, some people listening might not understand Vermont. And for those watching, uh, you saw me air quote, but for those listening, I just air quoted. Uh, what's what's the fuss about Vermont? Can you explain it to some people? Can you explain oh, it to me? God, uh, in a nutshell, uh, it's awesome, first of all. Uh, mm. It's the most glorious, romantic, green, beautiful state um, on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really proud of that. You know, my husband mm. and I are both native Vermonters, born and raised. He's a, I think, a eighth generation. So our children collectively are ninth generation Vermonters. Uh, deep, rich heritage for you know agriculture, resilience. Um, I don't know tenacity. It takes a lot to live here. It's not mm. for me. For us, we're regular people. We mow our lawn and shovel our driveways. That like. It's not easy living here, but like this time of year, you know, it's amazing. And I feel like it's just a magical place. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super supportive for small business, liberal, all the things. Um, Yeah. And that there's just such uh, attention to quality and artisan and intention. Uh, We do things a little bit slower here. Our internet Mm -hmm forces us to do things a lot slower here. Um, 
and yeah, you know, it's not just like a state of mind. Like it's, it's more than that. You know, it runs so deep through all of us that I think those that move here wish they had grown up here and those that mm. don't live here wish they did. <laughs> totally. I, uh, I currently am not living in Vermont, which breaks we my miss heart you. We every miss you. morning I wake up. I, you know, I'm, I'm not complaining about where I currently am. Uh, it's still New England. It's glorious. Um, but I'm, I'm needless to say, I'm, I'm not in Vermont right now. And all of those things that you just hit on while they sound, uh, like a quintessential description that any, any like, you know, hometown person might describe about their state. They're absolutely true. And I, you know, it, it's like, you don't know what you got till it's gone sort of thing. Like now that I'm outside of Vermont, there's so many things that I like. And people think about Vermont, like it's, uh, you know, farmy and rural and all, and, and that's mm -hmm. for sure true, but there's so much in, you know, uh, that enriches, the people who live there like to their core to their soul if you want you know so like being out of vermont and it's for sure entrepreneurial uh support you know like the pandemic has slowed that you know kind of uh, neatly tightly knit um community of just support group of of business people doing totally different things or whatever but you know con connecting be it through the Vermont, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Vermont women entrepreneur group or, um, mm -hmm. being able to go out to lunch with like, you know, some CEO, some other company, any of these things, you know, the, the, the pandemic slowed it all down, but I don't, I miss, I don't have that here. You know, like that, mm -hmm. that community it doesn't, doesn't really exist where I am right now. And it, it, I'm sad about that, but what I really want to know about Vermont is I want to go back to like the, the entrepreneurial aspect of it, which is mm -hmm. even though you live in some might say the middle of nowhere, you have this business that is now grown into some, you know, national, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're shipping products all over the country um, with your, you know, fr from your, little cottage in you know elmore vermont mm -hmm. how does that impact how does being a, a, a vermont um of vermont impact the role of how you shape the company oh uh, well, mouthful I, yeah i mean when we started the company in sort of the begin the late 2016 officially started the company in may of 2017 um at that time, like there really wasn't any like hemp, there was not a thriving market happening like there is now. And we were sourcing our products from Colorado for a multitude right. of reasons, but um, that was not like my dream of having a Vermont brand that sources from Colorado. That's just what was available at the time. But very quickly after we developed our brand and started getting retail space that there was this huge market of growers that was happening simultaneously. And they were saying, you know, we know how to do the growing, you know how to do the branding and marketing. Let's merge these two. And so very quickly, I think it was like less than nine months after we started the business, we were able to make the transition to a fully Vermont product. Um, and that was really truly exciting, not only because the talent of growers that were here at that time Every, there was no beginners, first of all. It was everybody knew exactly what to do in 2017. And so 
we really just kind of took a step back and was like, you know how to do your part, we'll do our part. Uh, what was really cool is there wasn't as much ego. So people were only growing like an acre at a time. It wasn't mm. like, oh, I grew an acre last year. I'm going to grow a hundred acres this year. Like, which unfortunately I hate to joke about that because that totally happened and has totally bottomed out the market now here. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, being Vermonters, it was always really important to have a product that was from here. We really wanted to have our carrier oil eventually be sourced from Vermont. Hopefully coconuts are never going to grow here. And so hemp seed oil was a natural inclination for us. And then, you know, what you touched on first, having a small business within like the first three months of starting my business, I ended up going to VSET, Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies. They were hosting their first female founder speaker series at Hotel Vermont. Yep. And so it sells out almost immediately because there was obviously a lot of buzz happening about women entrepreneurs in Vermont. There was a lot of shift just in general of where people were at with their careers and wanting to really take that next step and become their own bosses. And who is the first person I listened to as like a, you know, an entre entrepreneurial sort of, you know, goddess, if you will, uh, was Donna Carpenter. And so if you don't know who Donna Carpenter is, she is the wife of Jake of Burton Snowboards. And yep. she was up on this panel with her entire team talking about how to empower women and not only how to empower women, but like never losing sight of that. And that if you create a business from the ground up with your own blood, sweat and tears, that you really can put your own personality and spin into it. And the more success you get or the bigger you become, like you don't have to compromise those morals. So that was huge for me because at that time I was like the only women, woman brand in Vermont um, and was outwardly really being rah-rah about supporting women in the cannabis space. And that put a lot of wind in my sail to be like, I'm doing what I want to do. And this is the right move for me. Because a lot of people were like, well, you're alienating half the population. Do you think that's a really good business move? And I felt like it was <laughs> at the yeah. time. Um, well, I don't want to get too, too ahead. I don't want to get too too ahead of things, but like that early, um, you know, that 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 sort of attitude coming coming into um, starting your company resulted in you know tons of partnerships for you that helped yeah. grow your company. Um, totally. You know, empowering other women trying to start their companies. So we'll we'll get to that though. Uh, your children played an integral role in the inception of the company. Um, but I'm interested in the time before kids. Uh, what were you doing? Were you entrepreneurial? No, I was, um, well, it's hard. Cause like I was a dental hygienist, which um, has a lot of autonomy in and of itself. And for me personally, even though I practiced for almost 15 years, like it never really like fit. You know, like yeah. it served a purpose yes. for me. I learned a lot. I really enjoyed dispelling fears of dentistry. And I also really enjoyed promoting wellness and prevention and really getting a sense of how to connect with people to comply. Mm -hmm. And like, if you want to think about that in terms of like the cannabis industry, it really is like a sidestep. All I do every day, all day is demystify fear. I break down stigma. I teach people about wellness and I show them how to prevent ailments, like a hundred percent of what I was doing in the last 15 years. 
So even though dentistry didn't really fit me specifically, I knew there was something more for me. And then I have a rich background. I have grandparents who own businesses, several businesses here in Stowe. And like this sort of spirit in my family of, you know, being creative, everyone around me is like a musician or some kind of artist. And so I was kind of felt so weird because my, my job title was like the only one I knew in my family that was like a two word job description. Like you say it and they like know exactly what you do. Um, so I was kind of the weirdo, but, um, but no, I definitely was not of an entrepreneurial mind. Um, so I do, I feel like, you know, the whole, my kids, my postpartum experience, the, like what you call like hearing the call to start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it was all, you know, if you guys are spiritual or not, but like, it was Gaia that was like, this yeah. is the move for you. I mean, it's not like I was new in my career. Like I left my career of almost 15 years. My husband left his career as a civil engineer medical insurance, retirement, we gave up all of that to pursue this dream of Elmer Mountain Therapeutics. And like, you know, our family thought we were crazy because we have these two little kids and a mortgage and, you know, retirement. Why, why give up all of that? But um, yeah, I guess, I guess I was forced to. <laughs> I love this. So this is exactly the meat of the, of the, you know, the, this podcast, which is like mm-hmm. this, this uh, projection from other people that you're insane, this risk, this fear of jumping into things, doing something which to uh, non-entrepreneurs, non-people who aren't you, mm. things that seem insane, right? Mm-hmm. I can totally empathize with that. Um, and and also the idea that uh, Gaia, God, you know, the universe, you know, whoever is like eventually uh, pushes you off the cliff or pulls the rug out from underneath you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, these decisions are ultimately made for you. But the important thing is like realizing, like hearing that calling. I kind of, I kind of want to know about that because uh, Ashley, you've, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Full disclosure, full disclosure. Elmore Mountain's a client of Canna Planners. You know, we do stuff together. So you probably already know this, but I'm a total dummy. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know what postpartum depression is. I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I can empathize with, de- with depression, certainly. Um, but so, so take me through this. So you guys have careers, you and your husband. Um, so is Elmore, you know, it, it, it is the idea of a CBD company like sort of talking to you as you're cleaning teeth? So I went back to work three months after I had my second child and yeah, I wasn't experiencing postpartum while I was on maternity leave. So it was kind of like go back to work, the regular stresses of life. Everything was groovy. Yeah. Everything was cool until like 90 days after having that baby. And (laughs) all of a sudden it was like that baby I'm telling you like my hormones went nuts my endocannabinoid system went nuts and I was what I know now like plummeted into a deficient state for my endocannabinoid system and so um even though I'm running after a toddler and a newborn I have no sleep so I'm not sleeping at all even though I'm so tired 
Um, I have no appetite, even though I am breastfeeding. So like you're consuming, supposed to be consuming tons of calories to support making lots of milk to sustain a human being. Um, so no appetite. I couldn't sleep. I had this horrible pit in my stomach at all times. And I just like, as you can imagine those feeling those things, like I could not function, you know, I couldn't focus. I couldn't bond. I couldn't really like nurture and love the way I wanted. I was conscious that something was wrong, but I'm a very like, just tough it out, suck it up. And like, I didn't really hear other women talking about this. In fact, like a lot of my friends are so maternal that I like felt so weird that I was like, I hate this, this, I don't like how I feel. I don't like that. I'm up all night long that my mind is racing all the time. Like I I just couldn't be, I just couldn't Mm. be. And that's no way to live. Um, And I was seriously considering using pharmaceuticals because that's how desperate I was. And then being in Vermont and being a previous cannabis consumer prior to having children, I was like, okay, well, there's got to be some alternative here. There has to be. And so I had some friends that were out in California working for Herba Buena, who I love that company. And they gave me- Uh, That's the matcha company, right? Herba Buena? No, back then it was like alcohol-based cannabis tinctures, like one-to-one. And come to find out the woman who started that's actually from Vermont, which like super weird. Um, But anywho, so a friend of mine was working for her sent me a one-to-one and like, I took one dose and was like, okay, I feel a little bit better. But then I went to work and I was feeling really triggered. So all those symptoms I just talked about, and I took three doses. And then I was of course high at work, which at that time, THC just made my anxiety like way, way worse. So that was not the effect I was looking for, you know? Um, And then, yeah, fast forward, you know, I had a patient um, who had anxiety in his chart and no medications. And I was like, Joe, what are you taking? What are you doing? And he was like, I take CBD. Like, it was like, no big deal. And like back in 2016, like all of us, it's hard to believe that like we lived in a world that we didn't know what CBD was, isn't it? But um, yeah, he told me about CBD, told me about quality assurance, which like I knew as a Vermonter, like, yes, you should know where your food and your strawberries and, you know, not spraying pesticides. I knew all of that, but I never adapted that to cannabis. Like I always knew who I was getting my weed from. And so I, so just never, like I trusted the person who was giving me weed. So I never, ever questioned how it was being grown. I never, ever questioned how it was being processed. And so he really, I never, I never even thought about it until now. CBD until like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm inundated with COAs, you yes. know, certificates of analysis and test yes. reports, all this stuff. I'm like, wow, I've been a cannabis consumer for, you know, ever. And, mm-hmm. uh, I've never, never once thought about this. No, never. But if you're like using CBD, like I was and really using it to like, as a medical, you know, treatment versus recreationally, like I was really treating it. Like it needed to be a clean medicine. I was also going to be continuing to breastfeed. So I was like, and I may have continued to have more children. So I was like, I don't want to be on something that I'm going to be dependent on. And I don't want to be on something that if I want to get pregnant again and go off of it, that like my life just ends because then all of these symptoms come back again. And yeah, I mean, this rest of the story kind of writes itself. I ordered some well, in the middle I, of I the don't, night. I don't think so. I don't think so. So like, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Because it, it doesn't to me. Because so like, here, here's like, you know, 
you're saying a lot, but here's what I'm hearing is you had a career for a long time. You had some, you had a couple of kids. It's the American dream, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're on the, the path of, you know, to, to momhood. Then all of a sudden the bottom falls out sort of, mm-hmm. but you're trying to cope just by dealing, just by, you know, sort of trudging through it. So here, here's where it doesn't write itself because like, you know, I've for sure dealt with anxiety in my life. I've dealt with depression in my life. What doesn't write itself to me and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we have sim, we have, uh, you know, it's different, you know, it's the same, but different. You, you have postpartum depression for me, it's not that, but so, something different. But the, you know, the feelings are, are similar. Mm-hmm. To me, those feelings are dread. It's perilousness. It's fear. It's, it's ah, you know, it's like mm. hopelessness, those sorts of things. There's not an ounce of me that when I think back to those times in my life where I'm like, well, let's start a company. <laughs> you know, I, it's the exact right, opposite right, of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. the exact opposite of that. So here's here's uh, this is what I'm curious. So you you, you basically Joe Joe comes into the office and is like CBD, Ashley, check it out, bud. And you know, uh, you have no idea what it is. So I assume you you then begin to do a little bit of due diligence. You know, you, oh, you yeah, kind of get into it. If you don't, if you don't know me, I'm a total nerd. I love science. I love reading about articles. I love everything having to do with ideology. I mean, almost probably too much with this past year. I probably was one of those weirdos, but. Um, but no, I'm a real freak when it comes to the science behind why something works or like the ideology of things, um, and the pharmacology of things. But here's the trick is that in 2016, there wasn't any because we were still in the tail end of, you know, keeping this information from us. So what little information I could find about CBD um, I certainly had to bring my scientific brain. I mean, being in dentistry, you read through so many medical journals, you look for bias, you make sure that, you know, they're ethically written and studied journals. Um, so I had that same mindset to cannabis and really literally made the like pluses and minuses list of like, mm. we don't know that this is safe for breastfeeding mothers, but I don't want to feel like this anymore. It comes from a plant. I don't know if that plant is clean or not, but if it is clean, we can use it like we would use any other dietary supplement and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, like a lot of people who buy their first bottle of CBD, it was like two o'clock in the morning of me combing through literally testimonials. Again, back then, like we weren't as like slapped on the wrist if we had them on the website, thank God, because I was reading people who were having the same experience as me. And I was like, well, if they're having this experience, maybe not postpartum, but like you said, anxiety and depression, and it's really significantly helping them. And these people are willing to put their necks out and be publicly talking about their testimonials, then it must be true. And honestly, like I really wanted it to be true. I really, really wanted to have a natural holistic approach to how I was feeling. And so, yeah, like two o'clock in the morning, I ordered my first bottle and, um, yeah, took it and felt like a lot of people feel their first time. Like I fell asleep and like for somebody who hadn't slept in like, 
I don't know, you know, leading up to having the baby and then postpartum, like probably like five months of like really just like not sleeping. Um, that was obviously pretty transformative. And then to like repeat it the next night and repeat it the next night and repeat it the next night. I mean, like after a week, obviously my husband was like, you're back, you're back. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was like pretty immediate where it was like having an appetite and like was feeling like myself again. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And, you know, a lot of people ask me like, what made you, instead of just being a user, like become an advocate. And I think because most of my friends were also having babies and they looked as terrible as I did at playgroup. And I knew that they weren't taking CBD because I had never heard of it living in like a super pro cannabis state and never hearing about CBD until then, you know, I felt like I was comfortable talking about it to my girlfriends who also same reaction. What the heck is CBD? And then like for a little period of time there, I was not like a rep for this CBD brand, but I was telling everybody to order from this, this company in Colorado. Cause I was like, this is going to change your life. And it did start to change other people's lives. But what really started to seep in, you know, after like a month or so was really honestly how much demand there was like, instead of them purchasing it, I was buying more. Cause I was like, well, you know, Hey Susie, like, remember that thing we talked about? I'm going to be placing an order why don't I just buy you a couple of bottles or like, maybe you're thinking about it, but like, just try it. Don't even have to buy, just try it. And like, you know, a few more months of doing that. And then it like really started to turn into like, I'm going to people's houses. And then I'm like, really like doing a lot more with like people I don't even know. So you're not even like repping this company. No. You're just like buying no. their product, like for your Literally. friends. Totally. Because I felt so passionately about people taking it and finding relief. And that was a huge promise for really starting the company of being like, I don't even care if people buy my product. I just want people knowing that it's available, like for all intents and purposes, like just know it's available. Cause like, like myself, you know, nobody knew what it was like, you know, what was, what's now sun soil, but was green mountain CBD. Like they had just started out. I had no idea that they were a company back then because they were, they weren't on retail shelves, but like, Then very quickly, you know, once I was like, okay, I want to start a CBD company, I actually met Alejandro and Jacob because they're neighbors of mine. And like, so then that kind of like sparked a whole nother like, oh, okay, like this is really a thing. Here's this other company that's like doing it, you know, seed to shelf, like maybe there is something really here. And it's just so interesting how the, how the world works and certainly how Vermont works that like literally within like a few weeks of starting the company, like I meet one of the largest other CBD brands in Vermont. Like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what, what, how we started this conversation is like, that's the, that's the magic of Vermont. Aside from it being like a majestically beautiful place, it's, uh, you know, like you can be in this weird, you can be doing this at the time, super niche, weird thing. Um, and you know, you find out, you know, the guy down the road is doing the same thing. Right. And you totally. can just call and him up not, and say like, Hey, yeah. and then not too long after that, you know, Joe and Rebecca called me up and was like, come on down to stock, you know, come on down yeah. to Stockbridge and check us Loose out. Farm. And like, and yeah. And like, come yeah. to find out, like you hear what they're up to. And I saw their plants the first year that they were growing. And like, I remember vividly like being in their kitchen and like the four of us, five of us at the time and my kids and their kids, all just like being like, I can't believe this is happening. Like this was this time where we were all about to like 
hit that button on in the rocket to the moon. And like, yep. I, you know, <laughs> it's I, funny I, because uh, I've been in that kitchen too. And, ha you know, had very similar I conversations. Love with, I love Rebecca's yeah, fridge with the with cow. Both of them yeah. about, wow. This is, uh, this is a weird thing that we're all doing, you know, obviously, you know, can of planners doing something different, but you know, in, in, in this, in the scene, like it just mm -hmm. seemed weird. Like, wow. You know, I've heard people meant, you know, talk about this my entire life, but I've never felt it like really being conscious of being part of like history, you know, being in history yeah. in the making and like, for the first time, I'm like, Oh my God, really? even though we're in this, like, I'm in, you know, a 200 year old farmhouse in the middle of, you know, the hills of Vermont. Like I, I know that we're, we're in the middle of something special here. Like we're, we're yeah. we got this, like, this is going to be yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. Self-care is a, a huge motivator. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure, but it can usually be private, like a, a, just a private thing. Like, you know, uh, taking care of yourself, meditating, you know, mm -hmm. figuring out, you know, learning about CBD, making products for yourself, uh, usually non-entrepreneurial. When did that yeah. shift? Oof, gosh. Um, I know this is good because I really want to not forget the details, you know, as time goes on. Um, I think... Well, I think we like were here, here's what I picture you're, you know, Colin, it's, it's after dinner, Colin's at the sink doing the dishes and you're ordering your $10,000, you know, <laughs> your, your 50th order of CBD and Colin's like, wait a minute, <laughs> we could do this. See, or you I, had that, you I, know, I hey, Colin, say, hey, Colin, wait a minute, you, we can do this. I think, I think that's interesting that you think it's Colin's idea. No, no, no I, I just mean you both like turn to each other. So, Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wish I could remember the exact moment. We definitely talk about like what I said. Um, but I think it was like after a play date and like hearing from my girlfriends who were like, oh my God, this stuff is amazing. I've told 20 people about it already that I came home and I was like, Colin, I think I want to do this. And he was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I think I want to have my own CBD company. I want to source it from Vermont. And I was like, and I really just want to focus on women. And I remember yeah. him being in the like first sentence of like, I want to do this myself. That he was like, mm, okay, yep. All right. But still was like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? How, like, you don't know anything about running a business. But then the part that really got him. And now it just seems crazy to say out loud because of the way of the world now. But when I was like, but I want it to be about women. And that's when he was like, yes, no one else is going to be thinking about women in the cannabis space. They're all going to be thinking about bongs and thongs. How much THC can we put in this product? How many flames can we put on the side of it? And that's the industry. That's going to be the industry. And I'm like, yeah. that has never been appealing to me. I've never enjoyed 420 culture. I've never enjoyed like Spencer's gifts version of cannabis. Like I just, none of that appealed to me, but I'm still like, yep. I am me. I am consuming cannabis. I am a canna mom through and through like, where's that brand for me? And it didn't exist. And so yeah. that was the whole for me where I was like, there is going to be a robust cannabis market in Vermont. There's certainly going to be a robust CBD market happening now. If I don't advocate for women and be the voice for women in this state and hopefully beyond, like who would, who's it going to be? Or is it going to be? 
And then luckily for me, you know, I saw the very first uh, Women Grow conference on YouTube. And so I saw Jane West speak about imposter syndrome. I saw AC Braddock talk about, you know, how difficult it is for people to copy you if you create a unique culture. And I was like, well, I don't see anybody creating a culture for women. Like, that's what I want to do. And honestly, like, it really was all centered around education. Like the fact that the brand has become what it is now is really just icing on the cake. Like being able to be a spokesperson and an inspiration for people to see like life is hard. Motherhood is fucking hard. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, it's still hard. It's so hard. And having something like CBD to help you through the decades of life and hormone changes and healing and trauma. I mean, you know, obviously we're here where we're at now in 2021 where it's everywhere, but like, holy cow, imagine the trajectory of like my mom or my grandmother, if they had had something like this, you know, like, that's what I always come back to is like, if this was just available to us, like how far along we'd be as a society, how, how less, how much less pain we'd all be in if we, if we had had it earlier. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just really blew that, like, blew my mind. It continues to blow my mind, like the potential of reaching other moms and reaching other women and creating a space for them to feel like they belong and that the feelings they feel of postpartum, of marriage, of raising children, like those are all normal feelings. These are normal things that we feel, yet we're force-fed this like. You got to look like you didn't have a baby two hours ago, even though you did. And you have to <laughs> be in heels and you have to be looking good and you have to be, you know, always loving your child and like being super like, I don't know, like this weird, I don't know, this weird mindset of like, you just have to enjoy and love every part of it. Like, that's such a lie. It's so hard. Who loves changing diapers? Who loves getting up eight times in the middle of the night with your teething child? Like no one. And yet we're vilified if we vocalize that it does suck. And and so it's been this really beautiful cathartic thing for me. Like I need my customers and their stories as much as they need mine now, you know, and it just continues to be this snowball of beautiful healing that is occurring with these women. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to see where we go from here. You know, five yeah. years out, like it's crazy. Can't believe yeah. it. One hundred percent. It's it's funny, not funny, haha, but you know, funny hmm, to hear you talk about kind of the the I, I don't know the demonization or whatever stigmatization we put on, uh, you know, parenthood right or or whatever uh, facade we need to put up for ourselves i'm i'm not a parent but whatever facade one needs to put up for themselves uh you know to well you know just like you were saying and and so all of these things that are <laughs> seemingly terrible about mm. parenthood I'm, there's plenty of great things but like all of this the opposite side of the coin to so to say is uh you know, has to be kept under wraps. And it seems like the thing that would be almost most talked about, you know, uh, for, for me, like one of the biggest reasons for so far not becoming a parent is 
exactly those things. Like right? I hate all of those things you just said, but right? I know, I know, I know now that I hate those things. I already know I hate those things. The thought mm -hmm. of then subjecting myself to it is like, why would you do that? You mm -hmm. know, um, but no one talks about any of this, mm -hmm. like whether mm -hmm. you make the decision not to have children or when you do to then, you know, be supportive about it. The introduction of CBD into like that seems obvious and ironic at the same time. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Because <sighs> both, but you know, I both things are just still kept under, or, you know, cannabis mm -hmm. to some, you know, mostly uh, mm -hmm. kept in the dark, kept in the closet. Uh, you know, the, the, the other side of the coin of being a parent kept in the dark, kept in the closet. But these things all need to come out and play, baby. You know, like they all, it all makes yeah. sense. No, it, it, it all does. And I, definitely, definitely people have asked me like, you know, what was it like to like tell your boss that you're starting a cannabis company? I mean, like, yeah, that happened. I had to tell my three dentist bosses that I'm like, yeah, this is happening. Just wanted Hi. to give you a heads up before, you know, you see me on the news and then, you know, you have questions. And so that's the other part too. Like I did not choose this trajectory. I didn't choose this ride. Like, yes, I chose to be intentional about who I wanted to educate about CBD, but I could never have predicted that. I didn't even really have a choice as far as like really being a public figure. Like, I feel like it chose me, you yeah. know, like the, the, the level and quickness of success that happened at that time, not only Do you for- feel, oh, Hold on, well, hold on. Let me, let me interrupt you real quick. Do you feel- Cause I want to get to like Ted. I think the fear, <laughs> I love talking about fear. Right. So like, yeah, in this podcast, like I love it. Well, I, I love it. Like <laughs> if there's one thing to be like, I hope anybody that the five people listening to this podcast take away, you know, is that there are normal human emotions that humans feel that sometimes can get in the way of goals mm -hmm. and you have to recognize them and either, uh, cope with them and remove them or fucking barrel right through them. Right. To, to, to achieve those goals, or you're just going to be stagnant and sit, sit where you are. The, 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 the fear thing is so important to me because uh, well, that exact reason, but like even the practicalness of it all, never mind the, like, am I, you know, Am I going to be able to, well, yeah. I, am I going to be able to pay my bills? Like those things are all yeah. important. You know, like if I started a company, like how am I, how am I going to explain this to my boss? Like, how am I going to explain this to my parents? They're never going to get this or, or uh, this, you know, this, this idea seems so stupid. No one will ever, what, whatever it is, like whatever excuse it is, it's all, it's all fear-based. And I love the idea of like this trajectory of like, uh, I don't know, a normal Vermont person and mm. then uh you know a bottom right mm -hmm. and then some sort of uh cathartic moment that then opens the door and you see a light right so it's like a total 180 right did I do that right yes yeah a total, a total 180 um and and the fear part of it it can either it can motivate you one of two ways it can either keep you where you are or help you realize that it's all bullshit and you just got to like, keep on going. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Old fear cannot see new things. You guys probably hear me say that a million different times in my social media. And I believe it. I believe it so wholeheartedly. And I think the more that we achieve to become our higher selves, 
um, and really revel in the fear and revel in the uncomfortable. Um, I mean, you know, owning a cannabis company, like it's all uncomfortable. It's just like barely yeah. starting to feel comfortable, to be honest with yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I don't even want to say that because as soon as you get comfortable, then you fucking your credit card processor gets shut down or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, you yeah. don't really like get ever get to live in comfort if you're in cannabis. At least I don't feel that way. I don't ever, yeah. you and I talk about this all the time. Like, I don't know if I ever am going to feel like, oh, I made it. Okay, I did, we did right. it. We I'm did safe. it. Like, yeah, like no, it doesn't work that way. And I'm just lucky to have such an awesome group of colleagues like yourself to like help rally me around in the moments where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Um, which you and I have totally had those conversations, obviously off camera or with my husband or you know my my employees of being like, this is so hard and this is so scary and no one's ever done this what we're doing before and like there's not like you can just like go and ask people. What do I do next? Oh my God. Like that just not exist. That doesn't exist. And so there's no, there's no book, but like, no. and this goes back to like the, the Vermont thing. And I, and I'm not saying this is relegated to Vermont. I'm sure whoever's listening, wherever you live, this community exists. You have to, first of all, break out of your comfort zone, like remove the fear of like meeting strangers. I love, I think I brought this up before, but like, you know, it's, it's a pretty well-known story about like, you know, Steve jobs, uh, going into the phone book and, uh, you know, finding, uh, John Hewlett's phone number, you know, of Hewlett Packard mm -hmm. and, and picked up the phone and was like, Hey, can I come over and ask you something? And, you know, I, you know, Steve jobs is probably 14 at the time and Hewlett Packard's still like a, you know, a multi-billion dollar company in, in the mm -hmm. whatever the sixties or whatever. Um, but that stuff's still important. You like, you know, you're right. Like it, it is extra scary being in cannabis, right? There is always a monster under the bed Pain and processors, regulations, Delta eight, <laughs> you know, like whatever. Um, things are always evolving. Um, and that's okay. Like that's the nature of, you know, a, a nascent industry and we've cho that we've chosen to be in. But like the idea that that's just like practical fear, like, oh, I'm, you know, like I'm gonna face new challenges. That's any, that's any entrepreneur, right? But being able to like pick up that phone and and call somebody else who's like hey how did you deal with you know something mm -hmm. similar have you ever dealt mm -hmm. with this thing or or whatever mm -hmm. it's hugely important but i'm i'm you, you touched on like you, you went to this women grow conference and uh mm -hmm. the imposter syndrome and and like this is something that i constantly deal with especially starting a podcast it's like mm. oh my god first of all i'm like one of like 30 million people who started a podcast during the pandemic uh -huh. right it's such like an ego stroke. Um, it's not really like, I I'm not doing this for myself, but. Uh, oh, I'm having fun. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's, uh, I kind of forgot where I was going there. See how good of a podcaster I am. Uh, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, um, imposter syndrome. Right. So the imposter syndrome, like I deal with this constantly, uh, but in as you said like there's no book to read there's no there's no president of cannabis usa that i could pick up the phone and, and be like yeah. how did you deal with it totally. um i want to know about going from cleaning teeth to like hearing about imposter syndrome to being on a ted talk stage like how does that happen so, so what i was getting at <laughs> when i interrupted you like 20 minutes ago was like are you disembodied 
when you're doing these things? Uh, like, are you Ashley question. Reynolds? Are you Ashley Reynolds when you're uh, on TED stage or you're inspiring your team or you're formulating new products or whatever? Or are you like Ashley Reynolds, CEO? Oh, gosh. You know, probably in the beginning, it would have been like way more egocentric and been like, I'm the boss, I'm the president. You got to do what I say. But now, because my life has just really become one and, you know, I run my company with my husband and, you know, my life partner, my father of my children that like, I don't really get to just like be compartmentalized and be all these different personalities anymore. Like it's all just one. I mean, this past year of my children seeing their entrepreneurial mother, you know, deal with thinking like, this is the fucking end and like crying and being super scared and not knowing what the future of my business was going to be. Like I was terrified. We shut down for crying out loud, you know, completely shut down. And my children got to see me in that state they got to see me be i mean they they've seen me on the ted and they've seen me on the news and they've seen me you know i i try to explain like oh i'm like daniel tiger you know like mom's yeah. like <laughs> they don't care that doesn't matter to them but um but what really has been kind of a neat thing over the last year and lets me know like that this really all is working in harmony is like my kids they're almost five and seven they started their own company called kids company. And it's like making different things for kids and like teaching them about how to brush their teeth. And like, they did that. They did that because hopefully that means that they're not just like their play therapy that they hate us for, for being entrepreneurs. But like, you know, I I truly believe that it's all been one. And I mean, you've known me long enough. Will. like, I don't know. I think there's probably like a turned on Ashley of like, when I'm in the zone and I'm yeah, nerding yeah. out about the endocannabinoid system, or I'm getting real passionate about women's health and wellness. Like, yes, but I will say CBD has definitely kept me grounded. I mm. definitely took one of um, Monarch and the Milkweeds um, evergreen buds right before I went on stage, which was like 70 milligrams of CBD. So like, yeah. for everyone who watches the TED. <laughs> and cannabis, we'll link it. We'll link it in yeah, the description cool. below. Um, I definitely was like super duper. My Ananda mind was crazy high for that, but I was present so much so that like, there's a part of the Ted where like the lights are so bright that you can't really see the audience. And like, I put my hand over my face because I wanted to see their eyes. I wanted to see like, am I crazy for giving this talk at the time was one of 20 in the whole world about cannabis and I was really wanting to see like is this gonna be this moment that like I am gonna really be put myself out there and no one's gonna get it like talk yeah. about fear I mean honestly like I- I've never spoken to a group of, of people that large it was um, almost 500 people in the room and actually it was 420 which is my lucky number I know that sounds so cliche but it is <laughs> <laughs> you are um, ahead but uh but yeah no that that was one of those experiences where like I got off stage and it was like I cannot believe I faced that fear I cannot believe I did it because when they called me when Ted called me and asked me to do it um I said no honestly I said no because I didn't at the time feel like I could be that vulnerable and put myself out there so much which I already had like obviously looking back at it like I I really had already taking the leap and putting myself, put myself out there. 
as being this can of mom, as being an advocate for the industry, but like in my own mind, I still wasn't ready to be like out, like really out. I totally and, know what you mean. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, so how did that happen? They, I, there was an article that was written about me in a teeny tiny magazine about what I was doing for cannabis and women. Somebody from Ted read that and thought that I would, there was something there. And so called. They were right. Those, they were right. And like, Ted's not something you can buy, at least not that I know of. And so it wasn't something I could just like pay my way into. Like you have to be chosen to do that. And so said no. And then obviously a week or two later was like, you know what? I think I can do this. I think I can. And at the time too, simultaneously that is happening. And then my company is also in the process of like attempting to be acquired. So I'm like living this like weird life of like, mm. I just quit my job. My company is going crazy. Now I'm giving a TED, which seems like totally off on another planet. And now here's grassroots now, formerly grassroots is now now known as Cure Relief, trying to buy my company. I'm flying back and forth to Chicago. Like it was a surreal, surreal time. Hmm. How was yeah. that experience? I mean, I didn't expect, what was that experience? Like, you know, you weren't acquired. It was a really, no, I wasn't acquired. It was a really great learning experience, to be honest. Like, understanding what a giant room of super talented people from other industries who are like, all we need to do is X, Y, and Z, and we'll just build this new brand. And you're going to be the face of that brand. Like, here's your check. I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want that. Right. But at the time, you know, I still had so much mm, like control issues, narcissistic issues, uh, personal issues surrounded uh, with my brand. You like, had a vision. I, you had a vision. Yeah. I just wasn't like in a place that you and I talk about this all the time. Like now my company is like the teenager that lives above the garage that I can check on sometimes if yeah. they really are in trouble, they can come to me. But like, but at that time, you know, I had built something that really meant something to me and really meant something to a lot of other people. Obviously it meant something to other people enough that they wanted to buy it. Like that's a great thing to have happen, but for a multitude of reasons, like it just didn't align, you know, the way that I was hoping it to. Um, I wanted to keep the name because I felt like there was so much that people recognized in the name. Um, yeah, there was a lot of things that went on there. But um, ultimately, those are the types of people that are always going to be in this industry. Like I did learn so much in the fact that like trying to make mix business with pleasure or like be your brand, try to embody your brand and the brand is you, like is not a healthy way to be, right? No. And it's doesn't allow your brand to grow and blossom and be the full potential if you are just constantly trying to squeeze it and make it into who you think it should be. As an ex that doesn't work. It's um, often it's often a major reason companies fail. I mean, it is because the company cannot grow beyond its founder. Yeah. Um, and you just can't get know. out of its own way. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, but what was neat about that is I came up with the idea for the TED that I gave. I wrote six different TEDs also. By the way, like I love TED. Yes, it is meant for um, new innovative ideas, but cannabis was not something that they were feeling super cool about. And so, yeah, six different Despite iterations of that me. talk. Yeah, right. So six different iterations of that talk before I wrote the one that I wrote back home from Chicago um, about this one woman show. And I felt like if I created this like fictitious environment, um, 
about me being the doctor and the patient that like, maybe I could skirt around people being like, you said that CBD does this. I mean, here's the other thing. Like I'm nervous about myself personally being put out there. Then on top of that, my brand is so new that I was like, what if I say something that's not the right thing? And then I just ruin my brand's reputation. Like there just felt like there's so much pressure at the time. Um, but you know, luckily, luckily it landed and like almost 6,000 people have watched it since I gave it yeah, and it feels that's awesome. like that's going to live like an infant infamy, you know? And, um, who could ask for anything more than that? Like, no, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's definitely awesome. Uh, it's cool that, that people are, are viewing it online still. And, uh, no, I mean, I I've seen it a couple times. Um, yeah. I remember when it came out and I was like, damn girl, like you fucking <laughs> just did that. That's crazy. Um, I know. I know. Yeah, like, people it, look it, it up to me now. And like, it seems like it was so long ago because it was what 2018, but like, uh, no, people like just the other day I was at the beach and somebody was like, I was at that Ted talk and that was insane. I'm like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I think the takeaway is like, maybe it's through a Ted talk and, and that's certainly throwing, you know, getting thrown into the fire, but like you have, you got to step out of your comfort zone and do things that like, yeah. y- you know, if, if, uh, five years ago, Ashley were to like, be able to like talk to you that she would be like not even recognize you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you're not, we're mm-hmm. not the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's such an important, I mean, it, it's all self-care. Like it goes back to like this, where this whole thing started for you. Um, you know, self-care includes self-growth and, and growing and maturing, evolving into something that you weren't. Um, yeah. And like, it's so important for entrepreneurs or you're just going to be stuck. Like you got to, get out of your own way, like realize what you don't know and throw yourself off a cliff. (laughs) It's so true. Well, and like year five, you know, obviously pandemic pace was the pandemic pace. And honestly, for my family, like it really worked out for us. I homeschooled my kids. It was a big pause for the last four years, which were on hyper speed. We were traveling all the time. I was traveling with my kids. Luckily, they were young enough that I could pull them out of school and it was okay. But this last year, it was so magical for us as a family to like bond after what had, this crazy thing that had just happened to our family. Because to put it in perspective, my husband and I got married, had a baby and started a business all in the same year. Like that's insane in and of itself. And then it became what it became, which is also insane in and of itself. And then to have this past year to be like, okay, let's take a reset. And now there is so much temptation to travel all the time and to go to every conference and get right back where we were before the pandemic. But I find that for me personally, I find it to be very triggering because I don't want to be how I was before. I don't want to become, I don't think I'm going to become like what I was in the beginning of being this like very narcissistic individual and not realizing like my brand is me. And if I don't get that account. It's because I'm not good enough. Or if somebody says no to me, it's because they're saying no to me personally. Like I don't feel that way anymore, you know, like, but I still feel, (laughs) I still sometimes feel that way, (laughs) but I still, but I feel very like a little unsteady about now, like things are really starting to ramp up again. And I'm like, I'm saying no a lot of the time. And at least I could say no for a little while because I wasn't vaccinated, but like now I'm fully vaccinated. And it's like, well, now what's my excuse? Excuse is really just that I'm a fa- I have a family and I don't I, and I don't want to you know like that's not good for my family. So yeah. now I'm at this crossroads of like okay 
yes, the brand still needs me to do X, Y, and Z. I am just not willing to do that anymore because it's not healthy for me. So I really appreciate you bringing up the whole self-care element because I think people just think like it's such an income drops all the time. And like, you're this brand and like you, you're everywhere and like, you must be happy and everything must be great for you. And it's like, well, that sometimes it is, but like, I still wrestle with how can I still live in harmony with my family and accomplish all the things that I want to accomplish. And like, it used to be for me, like, oh, I'm sacrificing this for this. Or, you know, I'm, if I don't, if I become a mother, then that means I can't be a successful business person and vice versa, you know? And like this continuous pressure of a mother to feel like there's never really a place that I can just exist. I feel like it's bullshit. I fed myself that lie and called that the imposter syndrome. I blamed my short shortcomings on like society, like, oh, society's just not giving me the opportunity, you know, but that's not true. You create your own opportunities, you create your own destiny. And sometimes that looks like no, sometimes you say no, and it doesn't mean that your brand is going to (laughs) end. Exactly. Um, So that's been a real interesting kind of shift now. Yeah, that's such a like, you do have to reach that moment though. Unfortunately, like, you know, I I think at least, you know, there's periods where, you don't have to say yes, but you're more compelled to say yes than you are no for many mm. years in the beginning. But that totally. moment when you're like, oh, wait a minute, like you look at the books or like you, what, whatever justification you have, you, you understand like, oh, I don't, I don't need to do this thing anymore. Or I don't need to, mm-hmm. I don't need to take on this kind of client anymore, or mm-hmm. I don't need to do stuff for, I can, I can charge more. You know, like whatever those things yeah, are. Yeah, I don't need like, to check my sales every day. I don't need to look and see what my email analytics are. Like, you know, all those things that for me personally, maybe everyone else is way more woke than I am. But like, I obsess over those things because yeah, I same. feel like those are all validating things for me. They're yeah. not healthy things. That's not a healthy validation, but it is a validation. But that's the whole evolution of this business is like it, CBD is not going away, away. Cannabis is not going away. And so I feel like now is the time for anybody who is either getting in or has been in for a while that like you need to create boundaries. You need to create some nose around yourself or like this is not sustainable. Like it's saying yeah. yes all the time is not sustainable. And I, I get it. I do. I really, really do. Like I, there's certain things that I'm like, I should be doing that and I should be doing this. Expo East, you know, we should be going to Expo East. MJ BizCon should be going to MJ Biz. And it's like, but at what cost, right? My kids so are going are going to be in school. So much, so much money. <laughs> it's so much. Oh, oh my God. But um, oh, but man. no, I mean it's it's an interesting it's an well, interesting it's, it's 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 sort of like an emotional um uh realization of scale. You're like yeah. oh, oh, hmm. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, I, uh, and it's, a, it's a neat place to be. We're, we're creeping into an hour, which is totally fine with me, but I, I don't want to waste. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I have just a couple more questions. We were, we were, you and I were sort of chatting about this the other day and it, which is, it led me to this question, question, which is what's more important being mission driven or focused on sales. And how do you balance the two? Now, obviously they're both super important, but I'm curious what's most important to you. Hmm. Well, I mean, I just ran into this. So I work with a network of spas, um, New England's tiny. The amount of five-star resorts in New England is tiny. That is a demographic I go after because of our spa line and the gravitas of our brand quality. Um, 
And I recently had an incident where a spa I've been working with for a really long time um, had their head massage therapist. She left and now she's um, starting two other spas, one right in the same town as this other spa and then another, another spa a few towns over. Now, the small business person mind and myself is saying, I can't turn away business. So this woman reaches out to me. She says, I want to have your products. I know them because of this other spa that I used to use, work, work at and use your products at. I want them in my spa. So, you know, morally, my mission is this other spa is a woman-owned business, husband and wife. I've known them a really long time. I went to her and said, like, this is who's reaching out to me. And how do you feel about that? And in that email, letting her know, like, you know what it's like having a small business and owning your business, like turning away business right now, is really not a good move, right? We're coming out of this pandemic. We all took such a hit last year. Like, I don't really have the option right now to say no to sales in a lot of ways. Um, And she said, I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, X, Y, and Z, I I would prefer you not. And and I I said no to this other woman because I was like, this doesn't align with me. Maybe if this woman had given given me her blessing, maybe I would have said yes. But like, that is the opposite of what I want to try to accomplish with collaboration. You know, people, some people say that they collaborate over competing, but really actually collaborating versus competing, like that is reality versus what marketing tells you women are doing is two different things, first of all. And so that was one of those moments where I was like, shit, man, that could have been a really great account. It would have competed with this other spa, but that was the right thing to do for a multitude of reasons. And then, you know, come to find out that then I asked this woman, if my current spa client, if I could service this other spa that was a few towns over. And she was like, yeah, great. And now we're working with that spa. And so that feels really good to me. You know, maybe one person wouldn't have even taken their you know, existing client into consideration and just would have been like, that's a sale, I'm doing it. But I just don't feel like that was the right thing to do. Or even now, like it's getting tough out there. You know, there's a lot of dead brand space on shelves right now. Like there just is. And whether we wait for the retailers to get rid of it or not, like there needs to be some dialogue happening here. And it's not a personal one. It's a business one. And so creating, you know, these strategies around sales, because we know that our mission is economic development, is environmental sustainability, like keeping a brand on a shelf just for whatever reason, because they don't want to send it back to the brand that may or may not exist anymore because of the pandemic. Like, where are we at there? And so, you know, I I do think it's a tough wave to surf, but I feel like the decisions that I make as a business owner are ones that I don't want to regret. I don't like having that feeling of looking in the mirror and being like, I don't really like that decision you made. or I don't like that thing that you said to that person, or you could have been a little kinder or maybe, you know, maybe don't say that kind of stuff. Even if it's your friend, you know, like, I don't like that feeling. I've never liked that. feeling. I don't like mean girls. And I feel like that's something that has existed in me for a long time. And you know, I, I see brands do things all the time that I really question and it makes me feel sick to my stomach. Like when bad people get good success or good PR, I just, I just don't like that. And so I don't ever want anybody to look at me or look at my brand and be like, yeah, it was a good brand, but she was an asshole. Like, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that. And like, you can't live like that if you're trying to be a leader. You can't live like that if you're trying to inspire people. Like you just, 
it doesn't work that way. You know, Gandhi didn't get to where he was trying to get by being a dick. Like that's just, yeah. you know, um, and, yeah, creating, and, that's... and taking money all the time. You know, I could have gone, my company could have been acquired, right? It totally. Mm-hmm. I could have said, yes, I could have shut my mouth and said, Nope, you guys are right. You know what you're doing. All the things I've just built for the last year and put my blood, sweat, and tear in, tears in. Yeah, you guys just take it and run you it and take it. do it. Yeah, like no, I was not, not, not going to do that. Um, it's about yeah. that fundamental shift, you know. Like in the in the beginning, you know what's right for your company, you know it's right for yourself, hopefully, but you know it's right for your company, and you sometimes have to wear the mask of CEO. Mm-hmm. But eventually that mask like seeps into your skin and like you are that person, right? The, the mm-hmm. fake it till you make it like y- you just, you have to stick up for yourself. You have to do what's right for the company. And in the beginning, like y- you think you know what it is, but eventually like, you know exactly what it is. Yeah. I remember when we were trying to get investment and we pitched um, Alan Newman and I remember him being like, so you only want to sell to women. Why, that like that's a horrible idea and I was like well if you don't get it now you're never going to get it and like obviously <laughs> we didn't end up taking Alan's money but like that was like the first of many many meetings that I've had where you're just like an alien in a room of men being like well I think you should do this and you're like well I don't and yep. like, like <laughs> so we're not going to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah uh in defense of men globally um <laughs> we're mostly dumb uh yeah most of us don't know what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) you're good you're an ally you're an ally will and your team has been ridiculously supportive oh my gosh they i can't say enough good things about your team now i know i tell you this and gush about it all the time but like they didn't know me before you knew me and like some of the shenanigans that go on in our meetings like i i'm sure they're like oh my god this lady's out to lunch but Uh, but they embrace it. I love it. They really embrace it. And like, I feel like they've all really done such a great job to like embody, not just my, not just my brand culture, but like all your clients brand cultures. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. It's, it's cool because we have a spectrum of client, right. Uh, Or business really like, and I guess it's just evolution, but like we have the, you know, the companies that, um, and this isn't a criticism or it's not a detriment. It's just the way they choose to run their business. Right. They, they come at us and they, they're, they're at, they're at the, you know, the early stage and some, some of them just stay there. And then we have companies who come at us and they maybe have a full marketing team and they, you know, the, you know, it's, it's more than one person. Maybe they've even been in business for a while. They're a little more established. They, they have their shit together, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It happens, but very rarely do we get to watch one a business go from one end of the spectrum to the other. And mm. you have, and it's it's like Aww. one of those things that's been amazing to watch. You know, we have our group of, of clients who have like kind of done that, you know, and, it, and that's capitalism, right? Like that's the way it's supposed to work. Like if I, you know, I'd be an idiot if I thought that, you know, 100% of our clients are going to be, you know, huge, you know, all, they're all going to be insanely successful. I wish that were the case, but it, it never will be. But to see that sort of play out is it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, now that I don't know when this is going to come out, but at this time of recording, Vermont is rocking 
uh, around an 85% vaccination rate. Um, people are starting to come back outside. Maybe there's an event happening uh, here and there. Um, life is starting to come back to normal. Can I assume, you know, you're in the production office. Are people coming back to work? Are you starting to like go back and do a post-pandemic operations? Yes, where literally today was the first day that um, my formula that I met like without masks on. So that that yeah. was really beautiful. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot a lot of energy and potential happening right now, which is really unexpected. You know, I really just continue to feel so grateful for literally every e-com order that comes in, every yeah. new client that sends me an email for a wholesale inquiry. Like I still am doing that, like unbelievable. I can't believe that they found dance. me. It, yeah, yeah. 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 I just, I, I, I just, I, I'm so glad that I didn't have to bend my morals. I'm so glad that I didn't really have to change my business plan and model for how I want to be. And um, some of the products that we've had for like three years that literally have made no money, but I just felt like I really wanted to have in my product offerings, like the spa line, like that has been the slowest burn. That face serum has been the slowest burn ever. And now like it is finally getting its day in the sun and like every order is ordering it. And like, thank goodness. Like that was just one of those things where like for a long time, my colleagues or my, my coworkers were like, we've got to kill the spa line. We've got to kill the spa line. Like, what are we doing with this packaging? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, we just got to hold on. We just got to hold on. People are going to want facials again. Yes! I swear. I know it. Right? And like <laughs> I, the last like 12 new accounts that we have had, none of them I have pitched and they've all been spas. And like, how do what, how do you attribute that? You know what I mean? Like you got a thing. A long time ago, I could have given up on the line, but I was like, nope, I feel like there's something here. Let's just keep, even if we sell, you know, one body oil a month, like that's still one body oil. <laughs> well, but congratulations. No. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, that those things are, are starting to happen. And you got to believe, you know, when you got a lame duck, you usually know. But when you don't, when you got a home run, you know, it, it might be a slow creep out of the park, but like, yeah. yeah, that's that's an important realization. I believe yeah. in this thing. So as people are coming back, as like you're starting to engage on a personal level with um, clients, and, and this is like something I've been thinking about now because during the pandemic, we've hired lots of new people. We've gotten, you know, I've had to like rent out a couple remote office spaces. Um, we're all over the place. And I'm thinking about the time where we're, we're able, some of us have never even been in the same room together. Yeah. A lot of us haven't. You know, like as we come together, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about culture, which is such a, I feel like it's such like a lame sort of thing, sort of like gimmicky sort of thing. But I, I think about it, like how important, like, are you, are you thinking about company culture? Oh God. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it's like working for a husband and wife, right? Like we fight, like I think we're married because we're married. Like that's not about you, but because I work with my wife, I, I, yeah. I think about the same thing. I, my, you know, my employees, like I, not that we're yeah. like, you know, there's anything crazy happening, but like, I, yeah, I would think like, it, I would think there, it. And if we don't agree and we're in a staff meeting together, like you better believe that, you know, we're passionate beings. Like we go head to head, just like we normally would. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that it's in front of an employee or in front of our kids or in privacy of our home. Like 
it, sometimes we each get fired up and look shocker, out it's shocker, happening yeah shocker we don't agree 100 percent on everything all the all the time so like right. I, I think that sarah uh has definitely gotten used to that mentality and i think that also colin and i have have dialed it back in the sense that like it is this comes from from a place of a collaborative nature like he is the smartest person i know and sarah is the smartest well, the other person smartest person i know and like mm the three of us together, like it's unstoppable. Like the things that she brings to the table are things I've never thought of. The things that Colin helps me think critically about, I never would have thought about it because I'm not a super critical thinker. And like, it is a very, very collaborative space. I am very interested to see when we start adding additional a sales team and um, a COO and, you know, all of the things that we are envisioning for our company going forward that like, yep this culture we're breeding now is one that is for the common good of creating an inspirational place that people want to go to, that they're excited to be a part of. Like, I don't want to be a someone who just yells at everybody all the time. I used to be, and those people don't work with us anymore. And they probably didn't like working at, at EMT, right. like, you know? And the other thing too, is like culture doesn't just happen overnight. Like Trusting your employees so instincts does that. not happen overnight. Like I still triple double check certain things and I'm sure it irritates Sarah, but she knows that because it's my baby, like she knows, like at some point I'm sure and hope that she's going to be like, all right, lady, step off. I got this. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I mean like production, for instance, production order fulfillment. Like I don't even think about that anymore. Like that used to be, I'd be up in the, to the middle of the morning, you know, filling bottles, capping, labeling, shrinking, filling orders. Like I haven't done that in years. And thank goodness we have Sarah that does that. And now like the way that we create promos and like, we're working on scaling and we're working on our GMP. Like I never would have been able to do any of that without Sarah and like her mindset for detail, her mindset for growth. Like all of that has a trickle down effect to us and how we take on new customers or take on new retailers or come out with a new product. Like it isn't just me being like, ha I've got the idea. I did like, it. Yeah. No, yeah. it doesn't work like that. She'd be like, no, I hate that smell. Cause she's the one who's going to have to formulate it. So like, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, it has to be <laughs> a place of sustainability. Like all of this, you know, like this is a bad idea, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you need to give me five reasons why it is. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, last question and r reminding you that this is going to come out probably September ish. Okay. Um, what's, what's next for Elmore mountain therapeutics? I knew you're going to ask me that. What, uh, what, what humongous announcements that will probably already have taken place by the time this comes out. Can you make here? Ooh, uh, <laughs> we have partnered with a national brand and we will be making all of their CBD products. So that's super exciting. Uh, and there's distribution in Canada through that brand. So that's hey. super exciting. Um, geez. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I'm focusing on right now is back to basics with my customers. Um, I have some really neat ways of creating our community, like outside of Instagram, which is not real and outside of the website, which is also, you know, not real. It's a snapshot of a moment in time as is Instagram. 
And I just wasn't connecting with people the way I wanted to. And I don't think it's really safe to assume that I'm going to all of a sudden be on the like demo circuit and being able to connect with my customers. So it's really important to me to strengthen the people who've been with us for the last five years and then all the hard work that they've done to spread the word to their friends, their family about EMT and why it's so important to use our products. So, um, so yeah, this time in, in September, I'll have completed um, uh, a pretty pretty substantial shift in community building. It has nothing to do with sales and everything to do with just talking to my customers. Um, and then the other big shift is my kids are going to be going back to school. Like right now, I have been running my business, working literally like eight hours a week. And like, if you've ever tried to run a company, I've gone from like doing it a hundred hours a week to now doing it eight hours a week. And like, it still is operating. <laughs> I don't know how it's doing that. It's <laughs> Thank you customers. Thing. Thank you, Gaia. But like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty excited that in September, I will actually be able to work on my business, you know, <laughs> and a reasonable amount that an entrepreneur should be working on their business. Well, good for you. It's it's awesome to, like I said, watch uh, clients like you on that spectrum, just just trudging right ahead. I, I love seeing it. Uh, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for giving us a little glimpse into the weird things that I think are interesting about uh, starting a business. Uh, I appreciate you so much. Uh, mm, Ashley Reynolds, co-founder of Elmore Mountain Therapeutics. Tell the people listening where they can find you. We'll link it in the description below. Yeah, Branding 101, kept it simple. Every handle, every social, website, EMT, CBD. Type it in, you'll find us. You will find them. (laughs) They're there. Uh, Until next time, thank you so much, Ashley. Thanks, buddy. See you, folks.